Greetings, you are now in tune with the Talking Reggae podcast. As always, I am Jay of Street Level Uprising. My guest on this episode is Kirsty Rock. Now, you may know Kirsty from Easy Star All Stars, but she's got a debut solo album out now called Slow Burn. Please welcome Kirsty Rock. How are you today? So good. <laughs> Thank you. I'm doing really well. I have just come on the other side of COVID. So I'm, if, a little under the weather, but I am so excited to talk to you today because well, I feel like I'm alive. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm glad you're feeling okay. So did you make it through like the, like the whole two years and then all of a sudden you get it kind of long after it started or, or did you have it multiple times? Yeah, I believe. Well, it's funny because I thought in the beginning that I had it mm-hmm. like at the very beginning, December, I got uh, sick. And then in uh, February again. February into March. And I got just so incredibly sick, but the symptoms were completely different. So either it was a different variant or I had a different response to it, or I just never had it. I'm uncertain, but this time it's the worst. I lost my sense of smell and taste, which you hear people talking about all the time. But when it happens to you, it is so shocking. It is so strange to have a, a sense taken away like that. It's really a something to adjust to i'm i'm basing my things i drink and eat on um color and texture now (laughs) it's gotta it's gotta be like the weirdest pandemic ever too right because some people died some people felt absolutely nothing and then you have this whole spectrum in between i mean it's it's just the whole thing the whole thing about it was weird but i'm glad that you're feeling better now and and, and able to be on here with me um Let's start at the beginning of mm. reggae, reggae music in your life. Um, can you tell me your earliest memories of feeling, hearing, absorbing reggae music and the impact it made on you? Mm. Yeah, let's see. I think um, it probably started, I've been a music junkie my entire life, uh, thanks to a, a whole bunch of reasons, primarily my family are the instigators but in terms of specifically to reggae i think um you know i went to some sun splashes when i was a kid reggae sun splashes my sister got tickets to everything did that i have a huge influence of reggae based music from the 80s um big fan of like the clash or you know ub40 all that stuff that was coming i was a huge brit pop slash new wave slash you know, reggae influenced fan. Um, and then um, fast forward going through like all the genres of music. I, um, I would say probably when I knew I was going to be doing reggae, I met Dr. Israel in Brooklyn in the nineties, but he had a studio called bass mind studio. And um, we started collaborating. I was singing and he was producing, doing like Raga jungle kind of, well, like more, we were kind of more electronic based and um, we started touring internationally and I started like really getting into the London music scene that was happening. And um, one of the bands that we collaborated with or that brought us to the UK was this band called Zion Train. And they had this like, I don't know if you're familiar with them. It's like a heavy dub kind of like four on the floor dance, like pretty incredible. And they had like an underground party with, with a, you know, proper sound system and everything. And I was like, 
once I experienced that, I was like, there's no, no going back from here. And then it was like this snowball effect of, um, you know, kind of doing my research, my due diligence, like going into like mad professor King Tubby. And then like that, you know, and, and that snowballing just more and more and getting more into like the classic reggae again, you know, having go, like going all the way back to childhood. I heard Bob Marley and I heard all these bands when I was little, but it never clicked in that way. So I would definitely have to blame um, True Mystic, which is the entity that we were at that time in the 90s. Let's blame the 90s. We can blame the 90s for a lot of things. <laughs> yeah, well, you and I have some things in common, one of which is we're both from the 90s. Um, mm. And the other which we both have Brooklyn ties. You being from Brooklyn, my parents were originally from Brooklyn, so I spent a lot of time there growing up. I still have family there. Um, and it's, it's cool for me because when I'm, when I'm getting to know people, I always like to look for those, those little things. And it's, you know, it's the things uh, that tie us together. Yeah, a lot of people, a lot of people like to look for our differences. You know, a lot of people like to focus in on this person's different, like not me. Like I want to know, okay, what, what kind of common ground can we have? Because like, that's how you make friends. That's how, that's how yeah. we become friends with people is, you know, you Definitely. look for those things. And yeah. so, so obviously someone from, from, I see Brooklyn, I'm going to go, all right, cool. You know, I, um, right. Well, but, I didn't grow up there, just to be specific. I grew up in mm. Massachusetts. And then okay. as soon as I could leave, I was 18 and I fled uh, yeah. Massachusetts <laughs> and went to, um, to New York City for yeah. college and, and ended up staying far too long. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. I love New York City. I just couldn't live there anymore. I'm now in Vermont. Yeah, yeah no, I'm, I'm the same way. Like um, when I was growing up, like I always loved going. I always loved. I mean, we lived in Philly, so it was a two hour drive. And it was like, I mean, once, Philly's twice great. a month, we, we were in Brooklyn once or twice a month, you know, and I, and, I, and I loved it there. And like you said, I still love it there. I still love going and visit. But yeah, I'm, I'm not I couldn't I couldn't live there now. You know, um, yeah, it's um, the, the older I get, the less city I want to be. But I also mm -hmm. I also can't do country because I'm terrified of, of being out in the middle of nowhere. Oh, that's so I, I kind of have like this one foot in, in the city and one foot outside of it thing that doesn't ever really 100% make me happy, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, an, I'm the exact opposite. I'm an extremist. I live yeah. in the middle of nowhere in the mountains now. Yeah. And I love that. I love this. I love going down to the city too and eating all the foods and listening to all the music and mm -hmm. touching base with the, you know, easy star records and easy star all-stars. We come down there for rehearsals and so on. So yeah. I'm I'm there enough that I feel like mm, I can't call myself a New Yorker anymore, but I feel like I'm there enough to satisfy that that aspect of the beauty of New York, which is that there's so many people there that are just so cool and from just all yeah. different backgrounds and so many different music styles. And it's amazing. Right. And New York's always a party. I mean, no matter where you go, like I've lived in a bunch of different places and it's like at a certain point you lose one specific identity and you're not like like so many people identify with where they're from yeah if you live there your whole life or maybe if you only live two different places but once you start living different places it's like you realize you're just kind of a sum total of all the places you've been mm, indeed yeah yeah so all right let's go back again uh you told me about getting involved with with reggae music and when it really hit you what about just getting out and playing music when did you start thinking you know hey i, I like to sing i, I want to go out and do this hmm. i can't say that there was ever a time i wasn't doing that <laughs> um I, like i said i grew up in a really musical family my parents um are i'm first generation scottish americans my parents music was always part of the 
daily everything like we would scottish people sing all the time i don't know if you know this it's, if they're not singing they're whistling so that was always just it for me it's just like a communication it's a language and um the fact that it brought me onto stages was irrelevant i would have been doing it either way um but i suppose i started performing let's say when i was just a kid i mean i did all the musical theater stuff i i was in choirs i was in the jazz band i was jeez i was in i'd say my okay so my first band let's let's go back let's go back i think my first band was in new york and it was a rock band and i can't remember what it was called but i've i've been in so many different or previous to Easy Star and True Mystic, I was in like all crazy kinds of things before I found my home um, in reggae. So like rock band, I was in almost in this band called Maria Excommunicata, which they were signed to Megaforce Records, you know, like totally weird out there, like all just kinds of stuff. Um, and then, and then finally, thank goodness, meeting Dr. Israel on the street in Brooklyn and then started performing as True Mystic. Yeah, talk, talk about that. Talk about meeting him and then how that all got put together and what, and what True Mystic became. Um, so we were in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, which was at the time like pretty seedy area. Now it's probably the most expensive neighborhood in Gen the world. Seriously, seriously <laughs> gentrified Williamsburg from what it was 25 yeah. years ago. Yeah. Well, it's, well the, so the neighborhood we were in, it's funny you say gentrified because I think of that neighborhood and I'm like, it was abandoned. This particular area that we were in was all warehouses that had were then defunct. Um, so, so I guess, yeah, you could say I spearheaded or pioneered the gentrification, but the gentrification of what? <laughs> yes, that little neighborhood ended up bubbling out and taking over neighbor, other neighborhoods for sure. And, and that is a shame, but such is the city. Um, and then so... After meeting Dr. Israel, we started recording. We put out a, an album called Product 3 as True Mystic Sound System. It was myself, Soothsayer, who is um, Reggie Hodges, and he's one of my best friends and collaborators. We still continue to work together. Um, and then who else was in it? Uh, Mr. Ish. Ish, he's still, you can find him on the socials. Um, OHM, I'm not sure. He's, he's been like island hopping for years now doing i'm sure amazing things and mudamasic and i think that's the crew and we put out this really cool weird album product three and then we sequentially put out you know i think we ended up putting out like five pieces of product um and then true mystic kind of dissolved and it was i want to say a couple years into true mystic i ended up working with easy star so Basically, Victor Axelrod or Tickler, as people know him, uh, the keyboard player, he reached out to me. He used to come to the studio often. He was homies with all my people. And he asked me to, to join or to sing Great Gig in the Sky with Easy Star All-Stars. And that kind of was the, the catalyst for me joining Easy Star. And then the, also that album being the catalyst to bring Easy Star All-Stars internationally. So. Yeah. And then I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and then it just kind of kind of went from there. No, it's yeah. it, it's cool. Like you mentioned, great uh, great gig in the sky was you know kind of your your introduction, Easy Star All Star, but um, certainly wasn't a one off thing. It became uh, 
<laughs> kind of a lifetime engagement for you and, and you're and all of a sudden you're being and these are like that album especially was one of those albums that at some point everyone in reggae becomes familiar with it's a huge album so you're going from you're coming up you're doing all these things in music playing all these different bands um what was it like all of a sudden being on an album that it, like it was in every college dorm room hmm. all of a sudden and just be just you were the you were the voice on that track and it's like and everybody knows this track what was that kind of like was it a slow build was it like an explosion for you how what do you what are your memories of, of that time it was definitely a slow burn i'm just gonna throw my album title throw in there. In there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it, it was a slow burn and it was not something that i don't think that Lem, Eric, and Michael and Ramey expected. Those are the CEOs of um, Easy Star Records. I don't think they expected it at all. Um, but yeah, it was very cool. And, and I think that, like you said, the reach of it was really interesting, like being in all these college dorms. And, but not only that, I really, because it was... Pink Floyd. And I'm not sure in which way it happened if the kids were showing their parents or the parents were showing their kids because they had found it and thought it was cool. But there was that that aspect of it that was really exciting to me that our audience was very vast in terms of like the age difference and from young people smoking in their dorm rooms to old geezers, you know, getting high on the back porch or whatever. Like it was and them coming together at our shows and really sharing that. You know, these kids going, check out this new shit. It's called dub. It's reggae, whatever. And then the parents going, check out this shit. It's fucking dub side of the moon, reggae style, man. You know, it was, it was really, um, that to me was the most exciting aspect of that album. Well, it's a great crossover because you have, you have a large cross section that listens to those types of music, whether, you know, Pink Floyd or psychedelic music, whatever you want to call it. And also reggae, there's that crossover. And just like you said, it, it kind of brought, it brought people who were into Pink Floyd into reggae and it brought some reggae people into, you know, I remember um, I had a cousin, a younger cousin, and he was at uh, University of Kansas at the time. And this was probably a few years after it came out. And he kind of brought that to me like, like, um, yo, man, like you need to check this out. And I didn't, I wasn't into Pink Floyd and stuff growing up. Um, so I obviously, you know, you mentioned um, like the clash earlier, like, I got in, a lot of people got into reggae through the clash. I got into punk through the clash's reggae because I heard their reggae right. tunes. And that's so I kind of got in um, reggae first in a lot of these things. So uh, I developed more of an appreciation for Pink Floyd from that album because when I was growing up, I didn't really get into them because one of the main things to me is, is groove. I like a hot groove. Mm. And, and that's one thing that Pink Floyd really is not what they do. It's, right. it's you know, so I never got into them. And when I heard this album, I was like, cool. I was like, because this, this really brings in the songwriting and the spacier elements of Pink Floyd, but yeah. brings it to me in my language. Yeah. Uh, so that was a big deal for me. And I appreciated that. Yeah. Well, it did the same for me too, because I didn't obviously choose that. It was chosen by the label or by American and Mike. Um, and Yes. I, I remember listening to it on vinyl when I was a kid with my sister who was 10 years older than me and being like, this is weird. It's kind of creepy. It's scary. You know what I mean? Like I was so little. I was like, I don't get it. It's disturbing. All in all, you're just another brick in the wall. Like all that stuff. I was like, <laughs> oh, you know? <laughs> and so, yeah, to have that 
I think that's really cool about music is that you can re-experience it and then like it um, if you didn't like it before or vice versa, you know, um, and always re-experiencing it with different people in different settings. Yeah, I think it's absolutely brilliant. It's a brilliant move to take something from one genre and drag it into another. And I think it, 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 it unites more of us. It brings more of us to the party. And, and it's like, um, it's a cross-cultural thing and it's, and it's beautiful. So it was a brilliant idea. I still think uh, the idea to do those albums, um, starting with that one was just, just brilliant. You know, the thriller album was, was, I mean, like, yeah, come on, like, this is just <laughs> so good. It's mm. such a good idea. Mm. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Wasn't my idea. <laughs> but it was a good idea. I yeah, agree. It was, it was great. It's great that you're part of it. And PYT, uh, that's uh, my ringtone. When my wife calls me, it plays PYT. So yeah. I, I've always loved that oh, too. Oh, she's your yeah. PYT. She's my PYT. <laughs> that's no, so cute. No matter how old we get, she's, yeah, she's my yeah. PYT. <laughs> she gotta be, or else why bother? <laughs> but that, that that album was huge for me too. Like I just love, I just love hearing that stuff. Mm. Um, so so then you're in. I mean, right after Dub Side of the Moon comes out you guys start touring and stuff and you've mm. really just never looked back. What's been your experience of just all these years touring all these places, being a part of all these tunes? Hmm. It's been, it's a loaded question. I feel like I I've done a lot of through, you know, COVID and so on have, have had the time to just sit with myself with that. And I have to say, if it weren't for, you know, music, true mystic and easy star, I wouldn't have traveled nearly as much as I have. Um, you know, I've been, I can't even count how many countries I've been to and, and continents and, you know, from Russia to Thailand to South Africa. And it's, to me, that has been um, such an incredible journey and opportunity to see what the world is, what people are doing. Just even the little things, you know, like, how how what they're eating i don't know it's it's such a beautiful journey to me to to have that um and see people i mean it's i don't know there's like an intimacy i think that we've created with easy star with our fans and so on like a communication and that to to have that um with a stranger you know like is a really cool thing like i don't know that, that's, my, that, that's my favorite thing about doing this because yeah. you know look i could have just stayed in 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 the house and played guitar mm. why i do this is to get out there and connect with people and there's there's just no better better way to do that in life than to be part of a a, a touring band and experience people's cultures and meet so many people one on one that you never you never would have met all those people, right? Yeah, indeed. Yeah, I have some some really strong relationships and new friendships that we've we've um, cultivated over the years. I mean, but then on the flip side of that, I've you know feel a little now. I'm trying to dig myself into my community here in Vermont. I've always felt a displacement in my life in general. My parents being first generation, you know, me being first generation. Like I said, like there's always been this like I don't fit in. I don't know where I belong. You know. Um, and so for me, the music made sense and, and that lifestyle made sense. And now that I've been in place for a couple of years now, I'm like, wow, but I've neglected this whole other aspect of myself that I need. And I did find my community in music and, you know, my people, easy star people and so on that, um, but 
then, you know, now that I'm here in Vermont and settling, settled in, it's like, wow, I don't participate in this community. And how can I do that? And that's been my focus recently is like, you know, performing for free at friends things and do, you know, like just trying to, as much as we were be were able to, um, because there were so many restrictions, but like making sure that I'm touching base with my friends and, and supporting their kids and, you know, like, I don't know, showing up, show, showing up for people that are, are here in my home. <laughs> the, the life of a touring musician is so odd. Um, you're, you're gone for lengths of time. You're with the same people all the time, but then every day you meet a ton of new strangers and you're neglecting what's going on at home. And then when you're yeah. at home, you're dealing with a much smaller because you're not out meeting strangers every day. And it just seems like it's weird when you're on the road and it's weird when you're at home. And it's like, how do you make both things wonderful in the moment without mm. any type of that cognitive dissonance that you get? And that's a great way to do it is the roots you're putting down in your community when you're not on the road. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's really important. Make sure you're cultivating that. because. Uh, these are the people that are going to be here for you when you stop touring and stop being completely like, wow, out in the universe, you know? Yeah. yeah and I have some amazing people here. I mean, like so much support and I'm in Southern Vermont and like the people here in general are just like such great, so amazing farmers and, yeah. you know, a lot of people work on the mountain here and like, we all have like five jobs. Well, I don't, but you know, everybody up here is like five jobs and like, just the hustle, lots of hustle up here and lots of people that work hard and play hard. <laughs> <laughs> well, it gets, and like it, the connection. Hmm? It, gets, it gets cold there, which brings another aspect to it. You know, when you, oh, you're, yeah. you're in a place that gets cold for a, a long stretches of the year, or snowy and stuff like that. It's, um, it's a different life. It's a harder life. And, you know, you're working all, all spring, summer and early fall, kind of knowing that in, in the winter, things are just different. Oh yeah. It's like you're, yeah, I guess best time to tour for me in, in, in reality would be winter because nobody, you can't reach it. Nobody's around. You're either, you know, shoveling out your house or you're working your five jobs up on the mountain and like, cause it's a service industry, you know? So, but touring in the winter sucks. So that doesn't really work out <laughs> No, I, <laughs> unless we're going somewhere warm and sunny, of course, <laughs> let's no, go just. A hundred percent. So like for the last, um, you know, 17 years I was living in, in the Kansas city area and it was like, and that's, that's, that's the band's rule is like, we don't really tour during winter. We do, you know, record or write or whatever, because like being out on the road in the winter is terrible, but to it's your, treacherous. Yeah, it's like life threatening. <laughs> I, there was, there was, if you even make it to the gig, you yeah, know, really. And, 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 and if you make it to the gig, it doesn't mean the audience is going to, you know, because, no. because they might be like, I'm not going out in this, but there was one too many times of, of me coming out the back of a, of a club in January and slipping and sliding on the ice or trying to drive home. And it takes me hours to, to, you know, it's, it was just like, no, like I can't, can't do that. Unless, like you said, unless you're going to tour the South or, you know, yeah, some place fly out of the country, but then there's like, <laughs> Oh, there's a blizzard. So you're never leaving. <laughs> yeah. 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 It, it makes it, it makes it a lot harder when you're dealing with, with, with weather like that. Mm. Um, so after, after all this time playing with true mystic playing with easy star, um, I know that it was never really your intention to be a solo artist, but 
where did where did where did the inspiration come from for you to first say you know hey i kind of want to i've got some tunes i, I want to you know do some writing for my stuff and and maybe i want to put together a solo album uh i don't know if it ever yeah it didn't really start like oh i'm gonna it, i basically started writing again because i was traumatized <laughs> basically the um irene happened the flood oh yeah um and i almost lost my home we lost a huge part of the yard and yeah lots of shit went down and i was super traumatized by that and i started writing this song about a friend of mine his father they lost their like family home of i don't know how many years you know they it was this beautiful house from the 1800s and it just like floated down the river and his father david was his the way he dealt with it was really amazing like he was so brave and uh he 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 was just so optimistic and brave and he ended up falling in love he was like interviewed on on new, the news and he ended up finding his like friend from when he was young and they ended up together and in love. And it was this whole beautiful story. And I was like, my mind is melting. <laughs> so, I, so I wrote this song out of trauma and optimism and, and it was um, lighted up, which is the last song on the album. And I wrote that um, and then produced it and then hated it. And I was like, ah, I'm, not, I'm never going to put this out. And then I just was like, let me just keep writing. So I kept writing and it, and it just became this thing for me to come back to and touch base with myself, check in with myself. And, and some of the songs, I mean, some of the songs I started, they took years to write because it wasn't. And I was thinking about the concept, the ideas that I was grappling with, you know, and they t would transform into something else like grief transformed into release, let's say like in, um, the feeling. I was so pissed when I wrote that song. <laughs> really angry. And then I was like, I don't want to be angry anymore. I don't want to be angry with this person. And so I started writing different sections of the song and it became the feeling, go with love. You know, like go where you want to, go and ride, go with the feeling. Go because, you know, why, why, you know, it's that old, you know, not old saying, but you know, if you let if you love someone, let them go. Mm. And so it was kind of that. So it was like I said, it was a process that just for me was a necessity of just figuring my shit out. And, um, and then, so I recorded all of the tracks, the basic tracks in my house up in the attic, which is, I would have showed it to you, but it's really depressing up Aww. there. <laughs> just kidding. It's not that bad. It has this huge window that opens out to the creek and you hear oh, in all my vocal tracks. You can hear the river in my, and all my vocal tracks. Um, but it's like, you know, pink insulation covered with plastic. <laughs> and it's, it's a work in progress that I am this year, hopefully going to finish it off and make oh, it cool. a beautiful space for other musicians to come and play and so on. That's um, awesome. but so, yeah, that I just kept plugging away at these songs. And then once they were in a point where, oh, oh, well, I wonder what they would be like if I had actual musicians that knew what they were doing, playing these parts. Cause I'm a plunker. I in I can sing every line. <laughs> I can plunk every line like on a I'm I do everything um you know digitally. So it's like, you know, oh here's this synth bass and here's this whatever, you know. And so I mean my my 
really, really scratch tracks. And then, so after I had kind of done that, I sent it off to all my people and they recorded it in their spaces. And sometimes we recorded it in a studio and um, chipped away at it. First we did three songs and then we followed up with, I think four more songs. And then in finality, I I finished Light It Up, which I scrapped everything on that song. Um, The song I was just talking about. took out everything that I had done. And I said to Shelton, I was like, this is a really important song to me. And this was in COVID. This was the last song that I was doing. It was during COVID. And I said, this is really important to me. Can you fix it? I just want it to be guitar and some percussion. Um, and he did it. He, he fucking nailed it. And, and, and I was recording the vocals while, you know, all my people were down protesting during Black Lives Matter. They were all like, it was COVID, people were protesting. I'm stuck up in here in, in Vermont. And I was like, well, I'll do this song as my protest, you know, make it happen. Yeah. Um, so, and I love that. Um, and I'm so, I'm one of those people, I make no sense ever all the time. I just kind of tangent and I don't. Every, <laughs> so every, if you're not following me, just no, let me know. I'm no, a like no, every, all over the place kind of gal. Every single word you've said to me so far makes perfect sense to me. And I don't know. Okay. And I'm know. sick. So I'm like, <laughs> what am I saying? It's, no, we'll My get, voice we'll is get shaking. We'll through this together, Kirsty. We're going to get through this. It's okay. We got this. <laughs> well, I'm going to drink some coconut water now because if coconut water can't fix it, you give up. That's right. You, you can sip on that because I'm going to ask you a lengthy question here. Mm. Um, building off of what you just said. So obviously, I, you know, because of, me doing this podcast and being involved in the in this this industry uh you can imagine how many bands i speak with how many bands i listen to um Mm -hmm. you know from from bands that you know have you know hundreds of thousands of followers although you know to people who you know to five like me yeah (laughs) (laughs) and we have six so you're almost (laughs) You're almost on our level. We got oh, this. All right. oh, no, yeah. um, <laughs> so, so, you know, I talked to so many different bands and um, I respect all bands and I am here. I do this podcast. One of the main reasons I do this podcast is to help, help people along with their career. If I can turn you on to new listener, even one new, like, like, great. Like how awesome is that? That's why I'm here. Um, that doesn't mean that in my personal life, I'm going to be bumping all of these bands I listen to. I have very specific tastes. Um, one way to get my attention is to read what I read in your bio. And I'm going to, you know, I'm going to try to quote this as best I can. Huh. Observing how relationships unfolded and how political agendas came and went and what was left in their wake inspired much of the lyrical content on the record. That's a surefire way to get my attention strictly because I'm quite lyrically focused and I'm very much interested in something meaningful. And all songs mean something. We've heard a million love songs, songs of love, songs of love lost. Uh, in this business, we hear a lot of songs about weed. Um, you get my attention when you say something like that. And I'm not going to ask you to name any names or anything, but I am going to ask you, if you wouldn't mind, um, kind of ex- expanding on that. Like, what, what was it that you were seeing as far as relationships and political agendas? that really made you catch the fire on this to have these lyrics just explode from you. Mm. 
Oh, it's funny because, and I, I, I almost felt like I had to ex- explain that like that because oftentimes my, I feel like some, if you look at my lyrics, you won't know necessarily that they are about, you know, political things that are happening or yeah, like grander, grander things, things that are greater than us. Like they might, it might sound like a love song or, or who knows what I don't, I have no idea. I haven't asked people to translate. I mean, they just came out into the universe, you know, recently. So I don't know what people think, think the songs are about, but um, (laughs) yeah, I, I, there are some, amazing songwriters out there um bob marley bob dylan and their ability to capture a moment in time um was is really shocking you know like the the lyrical content is is uh to me their greatest weapon and though i took a different approach um the necessity was there for me the the important the necessity to express a feeling of things that are greater than us and things that are really important and um and i think that probably for me most of that weaponizing of those lyrics will are happening with the visuals i don't know if you um saw slow burn the video um and or and green is i also did um green is video so i hope to with my visuals expand on that and i mean so with, with green is it's um i think that what people will get from the visuals is that um there is something greater than us mother nature a greater force love connection um I'm not, I'm not sure if that comes across in the lyrics and, and, and with, um, light it up. It's a, it's a story, um, of someone that's brave in, in the worst of times that leads people through. Um, and I think that, uh, yeah, I'm not great at it, but I aspire to, to, to bring some kind of, um, purpose i'm gonna i'm gonna jump in there and disagree with you and the (laughs) the reason i'm gonna do that is because what you were saying a few minutes ago about um maybe people not really understanding that some of these things are are more social of nature or something bigger they might sound like a love song that is not only one of the most difficult things to do as a writer um it's also one of the most impressive you know it's easy to bludgeon people over the head it's mm. it's easy to come out um and and i don't want to disrespect them because they're one of my all-time favorite bands but like rage against the machine like i love rage against the machine i love their lyrics they're amazing but, <laughs> but but they're also very direct yeah and and that's and that's cool i love that but to not be direct and to make people think you're saying one thing when you're saying another it's like you're it's you can capture the people who might not be receptive to I got a friend who says I don't like and he's a he's a rocker he he loves rock music and he says I don't like rage against the machine if if I if I want to know what's going on I'll watch the news because he's just doesn't want he 
music is entertainment for him and he doesn't want anyone. You know what I'm saying? There's people mm. like that. Yeah, of course. What, what your music does is it can capture people like that and it can open them up to something bigger and deeper than they were expecting. Mm. Um, so I do think you're good at Thank it. You. And I absolutely I'm a sleeper. <laughs> sleeper agent. <laughs> I, 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 love, I call it sub- subversive. Like it, it's mm-hmm. a, it's a subversive act. You're, you're giving people one thing, but you're, you're giving them something deeper than they might be expecting. And you have a chance to transform the acceptance of some of these concepts in their heart. And that's a more beautiful thing than, than anything that anyone could ever do with a pen and paper. That's really nice. Thank you. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I disagree with you. And you're, you're welcome <laughs> to feel however you want about your lyrics, but uh, Thank I, you. I, I love it. I, I think they're wonderful. And yeah, let's talk. You've already you know, made mention to a few of your tunes, and I've got some, some of those tunes that I want to talk about. And, and your vibes are all over the place on this record, and I freaking <laughs> love that. I love, I love that you can play reggae music, but you have, look, man, as bands, a lot of us have one gear two years. Mm. Um, and I'd include my band in that because um, a lot of what we do is very aggressive. We're, we're definitely on the more aggressive, uh, angrier scale of, of reggae, but we, <laughs> we, don't, we don't do laid back real well. We don't do, mm. ch- I, w- I wish, I wish we could come up with a slower chill tune, but it's just not us. We start pushing mm. the tempo. It's like, so we don't have, no. we don't have, we're not a five speed band. We're a two or three speed band. Um, when I'm listening to your album, I'm going, like this is this is a five speed automatic with turbo that you got going on here because you <laughs> have everything that. from from this like light it up which it's like this gentle acoustic vibe all the way to like some like leo just has like this this heavy just just fire to it so so like the variety of vibes that you're bringing uh is fantastic um so can i just run down like a few tunes with you and you give me yeah like, like your your feelings about them um, yeah, for sure. So green is which uh, <laughs> I love that video. Where was that video shot? Was that video in shot Southern Vermont? Yeah. I basically I, put it out to all my friends. I was like, "Hey, bring me to your sacred spaces, the most beautiful places in Vermont." And yeah. well, let's film. And and obviously not shot in the winter um, in Vermont. I, well, it's funny because <laughs> I, I, because I have no idea what I'm doing. We, we shot for a year and a half, I think it was, through all the seasons. And I said awesome. all the, and my friend uh, who did the editing, he, he got 13 hours worth of footage from all the seasons. You know, twig season. I mean, that's five seasons in yeah. Vermont. I don't yeah. know if you know that. Summer, winter, twig, mud, fall. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so five seasons of, of spectacular footage that he was like, okay, we got to stick to one season. I'm sorry. And which really was disappointing to me because I had some really cool stuff. Like, I mean, I'm filming snowboarding down a mountain. I'm, you know, just crazy shit. And my friend horseback riding in a field in Manchester, like all this stuff. And it just uh, didn't make the cut, but what was the point? <laughs> well, I, I love, but see, I love the way that turned out because I mean, and I, and I totally get like, you wanted like, Hey, let's do a whole, I shot this for a year. I got the whole, I got four, five seasons. Let's, yeah. let's do this. But at the same time, like that video came out, so cool um because <laughs> Thank you, you. you see there's 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 a ton of videos with like people out in nature and stuff but you really showcased a lot of those facets of vermont in in the in the bloom like like full you there's mm. corn and there's 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 gardens and there's all this all this green and there's mountains in the background it's like the the beautiful scenery there um 
you can't help but be drawn to that. And I can certainly see mm. why you live there. It's like, I mean, I wouldn't want to be there in December, but I can certainly <laughs> see why you live there d- during that season. It's, it's, it's yeah. beautiful. And the imagery is beautiful. And that video is so green, which of course goes with the title of the tune and the subject you of the know? tune. Yeah. And so, but I did for those pot smokers go to my friend's field and you can see oh, all the, there's the pot, pot people to the marijuana smokers that, you know, I feel like I had to I had to nod to that because green is green is a lot of things. <laughs> sure. Well, talk to me. Talk to me about the about the vibe of the tune. Talk to me about the lyrical content. Mm. So when you the entrance of the tune, you'll hear those horns, those regal horns. And I expressed to um, Shelton Garner co-produced the track with me. And I was like, when when you're mixing this, I think it's really important that it's like we're the fucking queen is coming in Vermont. She's the, your majesty. And she's, you know, and like, I wanted to have, like, I was like, picture this, I'm in a field and it's like, um, what's, what's that? Um, uh, what's that movie? You are 16 going on 17. The, uh, hills are alive with the sound of music. There we go. I got there eventually. So it was like, picture me sound of music twirling around on a, a hilltop and, royal you know vermont in full display and that's that i was like you need to mix it like this and it's got to sound like the most lush thing you've ever heard and felt and so on so that was the sonic aspect of it um the visual aspect i wanted to show connectedness only not only to each other but to the earth you know so just that like the heartbeat of of the whole point of this right um and then um, lyrically, it's, uh, it's, you know, I want people to, my, my, my greatest question is always like, okay, so why don't we treat the earth with as much love and tenderness as we have the capacity to treat each other, you know? And like, so I hope that that came across in the lyrics that it's a comparison, if you will, like our love for nature, our love for one another and doesn't get any greener than that. that that's the vibe i got i mean that's, that was my <laughs> takeaway from it and and like like and like you said like the beginning of this tune is um it makes you like oh like this is it's a it's a great start of the tune. Yeah, the, the, way, the way it kicks off is like all right like like we're like like you feel, you feel like like i should stand up straight like i shouldn't be slouching my shoulders uh well, these horns are playing. i know i feel that right yeah. now so so you i mean the the vibe that you were going for i i i think you nailed it um, Thanks. Uh, let's talk about LEO. Um, mm. Heavy groove, just throughout the whole thing, it's just like just pounding. Um, where did your idea for for that type of vibe, that type of like power, come from for this track? Mm. Well, so LEO uh, is a what's the word? Not a- acronym. It's when a one word is the letters LEO. Yes. Uh, it's is lo- that's an no, acronym. it's not. Nah, I don't know what it is. I can't uh-huh. remember. I'm not I'm not that smart. <laughs> it's low. It means low Earth orbit, and so low Earth orbit is kind of the place in space where um, the satellites are. Probably a shit ton of debris, right? <laughs> so I like. I really liked the idea of. Um, I mean, m- we have this innate need to explore space and you know man is always grasping at, at all these um things outside of ourselves and then and then this song was kind of a comparison you know i like to to 
do this <laughs> between our our love our our need to do that and and um and grasping for love and communication and you know with the satellites being in low low earth orbit it's this like it's a push and pull and mm-hmm. it's a uh, it's a tug of war that um <laughs> that uh yeah i don't know if I, it's hard to explain. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> and I have to sit with that for a second. I haven't thought about that song in a long time, but it's kind of, that's the, that's it in a nutshell. Is there a fascination with space that you have with, you know, beyond, beyond the earth? A fascination? Hmm. I'm curious. I watch mm-hmm. a shit ton of sci-fi. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is my genre. If I'm going to put something on the TV, it's 90% of the time it's sci-fi or sci-fi fantasy. All right, what's your favorites? <laughs> what are your favorites? Oh, uh, I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'll tell you what I'm watching now is Halo. <laughs> Have you watched that on Paramount? I, I haven't. I haven't watched that now. Um, so that, I mean, obviously all the Star Wars stuff. Um, Everything, everything and anything sci-fi. I mean, the worst junky stuff, I'll watch it and I yeah. just laugh. But <laughs> I can't, I'm, I'm not having a good re- recall moment at this time of all the stuff I'm, I watch. And let me see if there's any of my books here. No, I only have a couple down here. It's like Animal Farm. Mm. That's not even sci-fi. That's like, all my shit's yeah. upstairs. I don't have anything good down here. Sorry. No, that's cool. I, I Bonky love on that question. <laughs> I love that stuff. Like, obviously, Star Wars. I'm a big, big Star Wars fan. But um, it, the Alien series and Predator oh, yeah. and, like, all that stuff. Um, yes. I, I, I love those things. So, to me, like, the first two Alien movies are, like, some of the greatest sci-fi. It's just, it's so good. And from the set design to the script to the concept of, of, of it, it's like, I, I watch yeah. those things so many times. Yeah. For me, I can't watch like cop shows and stuff that's just too, too life, too real. It's yeah, I like, can't do it either. it's really depressing to me. Yeah. <laughs> My me, mom me watches all those shows and I'm like, mom, it's just too intense. Like it's, uh, I want to have my reality suspended mm-hmm. um, yeah. always, you know, like, and think of things in a more visceral way i guess <laughs> yes i spend most of my time in hyper reality like like awful you know so it's like yeah if i'm gonna cool out like i don't want i don't want that um, yeah would you if you had the opportunity to go into space would you like if one of these space companies came to you and said you oh know, yeah hey do you want to be the first reggae yes. singer in space would you sign would you me go? up <laughs> i will go take me to your leader <laughs> yes that's the cool. idea of that is very exciting i would love that yeah. It's funny. I'm not like, I'm not an adrenaline junkie. I'm not, you're not going to catch me jumping out of a perfectly good airplane or bungee jumping or anything like that. But I think that's the one thing where if, mm. one, of, if one of those people came to me and said, do you want to go into space? I, 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 would, say I would have to seriously consider that because it's just so, who gets that opportunity? It's so mind blowing to leave the earth to, to say that you left the earth is just, I mean, beyond crazy. Yeah, I, I am an adrenaline junkie. Yeah. Um. So, yes, double hands down. Just yeah. get me in space. Get me on a motorcycle. Get me in a plane. I love to do all the things. That's cool. So we would both do it, but you'd be far less terrified than I would be. 
So well, I yes, maybe. <laughs> except like I just recently had a bad episode on a plane where I like had a, a straight up like my hands were sweating. Normally I'm like, ah, whatever. If I die, it's cool. Uh, my last flight was really, really bouncy. And I had my first like terror, feeling of terror, which I've never had before. I was like, oh, well, this is a new feeling. <laughs> right? Uh, yeah. I'm, see, I'm like that on takeoffs and landings. Once, once we're up there cruising, I'm usually okay. And I understand that, you know, turbulence sucks, but that turbulence doesn't crash planes. Like I'm like, okay, cool. But takeoffs yeah. and landings, especially landings. Like if you, you look at me, I might look calm, but if you look at my hands, they're on the, the they're, on, they're on the end of them. <laughs> And if you look at my feet, I'm like pushing against like those metal bars on the seat mm, in front of you. I'm mm-hmm. like, so I'm like, I might look cool, but I'm, I'm not, <laughs> <laughs> but cool. So if, if we get the chance to go into space, we go together and maybe you can help keep me calm as we're, as we're taking. So All that, right. That would be Deal. Cool. I'd appreciate Deal. that. Uh, let's get, let's get back to talking about your tunes. Um, you, you touched on the feeling earlier and it's, it was wild to me to hear you say that you were really angry right in that tune. Because mm. the, the vibe is that it's like such an upbeat and positive message that you're putting out there and the music going along with it. How did you take such a, an angry vibe and turn it into this beautiful, upbeat, positive tune? Oh, therapy? No, <laughs> no it's like <laughs> no one wants to stay angry forever, right? Yeah. So like, but you can hear it in the first verse. I'm like... I'm sending so all this love to you and you're not listening to me. You're like, you're breaking our shit down. There's so much we haven't done, you know? And then, and then like, go where you want to <laughs> just go. <Yeah. laughs> That's where it was coming from. Mm-hmm. And then it was like, okay, go. Okay. All right, go. You know, and it just became, it just was like this. If you say something enough, go where you want to go, go, go. Like there's, I say that a trillion times in the song. If you say it enough, it just becomes words, right? And then you're like, okay. And then you start to kind of, it sits in your body and then it becomes something else. And that's, that just transformed in that way. Yeah, no, you believe it. Like you, like to me, I, like I, I, I felt it. And, and yeah, like you were saying, like, um, so angry is really the only, anger is really the only emotion I'm any good at. Like everything else is just kind of <laughs> suppressed and I'm trying to avoid it. And I like, I cover all of my emotion mm. with jokes and stuff like that. Like, like I'm that guy. Right. So, but when anger bubbles up, like I'm super good at that. I've got mm. this mass, like I could have a PhD uh, in, in anger. Um, but you get like, there's that guilt that comes with it afterwards. Like whether it's, you know, after an hour or after I usually don't stay angry long, which is good. But like, after a while, it's like, what am I so angry about? And I feel, I feel bad about being angry and all that. So yeah. to turn that into something so positive is like, maybe you can teach me how to do that sometime. Mm. Cause that's, that's a freaking gift that you have. Mm. Yeah. Or I just obsess over things and I run things over and over and over again. <laughs> no, I, it definitely, uh, this, album, this album was really a necessity in, in learning, mm. giving myself, time and patience because i i've i used to have much less patience with myself and with Mm. other people and um it became a mantra no rush slow burn like there's Mm. what are all these like intense feelings for when we can just can slowly move through them and we can find a better way we're smarter than that (laughs) that's that's incredibly wise 
Oh. All right, we'll move on. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I agree with that, but it, it, well, is, it was a process and it was my process you know, and I, it was good for me. So un, yeah, I unfor- guess. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, once you put a product out to marketplace, um, your opinions of your music no longer matter. And uh, right. what I say is what matters. And uh, mm-hmm, no, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, a, it's, a, I think it's a super wise concept and it's, it's, uh, you know, it's something that impresses me as a human being. What I love about hearing great music is showing me the growth that I've made in my life and mm. the growth that I still have to go. And I have all these wonderful people who are strangers one minute and the next minute we're not. And they make me find out things about myself and, and how I could improve myself uh, by seeing what they've done in their own lives. Um, talk about slow burn, the title track of this um, again, different vibe. You've got this laid back <laughs> straight roots thing going on. Tell me, everything you can tell me about slow burn. Hmm. So the seed of the song is about um, one of my dearest gal pals um, who is quite, she's, I think 10 or so years younger than me and um, has this ability to um, stick around and really work through her shit. And I've learned a lot from her, certainly. I mean, we've learned a lot from each other. She's also my greatest, like, oh, she, you know, she's in my life for a reason, you know, like, and, and uh, she, most, she, she's one of my most challenging relationships and the best, best learning. And she's, you know, my, my closest gal pal. So um, it was, it was watching her, it started with watching her and how she was dealing with a particular relationship in her life and just allowing it the freedom and the fluidity that it need needed and not like, you know, oftentimes when we, we like someone or we like something, it has to be this structure and, you know, we have to do dates and we have to go, you know, there's a process that people do that is love. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and she didn't approach it like that. Um, so that was kind of the idea that the seed of the song started with like cultivating things that are passions that are are important and and giving them the time and the space that they need to, to grow, um, whether it's, you know, our art or our beliefs are, um, you know, political convictions, you know, like if it, if something is important to you it you always return to it and if you're meant to be with someone you it would will happen do you know what i mean like if we just if we're just grasping at straws we will never get to the end result if you're just like you know holding on to someone but if you cultivate it and you take your time with it it will grow into this it can can be this um extremely rewarding journey and slow burn is the journey and that in the video, you can see that, that it's like a, you know, we start from a place where we've got Julia Bossarelli. Um, I'm saying her last name wrong, but Julia is the most amusing acrobatic dancer. But, you know, you see her in the beginning, emerged in nature. And then there's like an unraveling and, an, an, um, and watching her journey she unfurls and has a kind of transformation. And then at the end, she's like super empowered. And I think that 
um, that that's what slow burn is about. It's about, you know, really embracing the process that and giving things time to flourish and really, and then we embody it and then it's ours forever. It's, it's true. And that's amazing. You know, I, I think um, <laughs> sometimes we think it's about the destination, uh, whether it's mm. whatever we're doing, um, reaching for success, uh, being in a relationship, life itself and it's it's the journey it's it's yeah it's it's every, oh, i'm married every, i'm every, in a relationship that's my landing point and it's like like you no. have no idea <laughs> like, <laughs> your journey it, is just beginning yeah. just beginning you know and it's like if we if we allow ourselves that fluidity there's so much reward there it becomes such a uh 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 uh, instant gratification society, thanks to oh. technology. You know, can you imagine like a hundred years ago, and and at all points in human history prior to that, there was no such thing as instant gratification. It was like whatever you want to do is going to take you a really long. If you wanted to go somewhere, all right, you'll get there in two months. Have a good trip. You know, it's like <laughs> we can't we can't do that anymore. We get my I took my kids ah uh, six weeks ago for their very first airplane ride. Uh, back Ooh. to back to Kansas City to visit and uh, and for for me to play a show with the band out there, and um, they were not the least bit impressed with this airplane thing. And I'm like, okay, you're a different generation. Oh but my god! For me, I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> like for me, you know, being on an airplane is still like, dude, you're 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 flying. You're in the sky. You're you're taking. We used to have to go by covered wagon and it would take months to get there and, and there would be dysentery along the way. It's like you you sat in a chair for three hours and you showed up 1,500 miles away. This is not impressive to you. You know, we're losing that and we're, yeah. we're thinking, you know, I'm not impressed or we're not going to be impressed until we can teleport or whatever. Um, so slow burn is a great example of like, nah, like that's not really what life is. We might think of these moments of instant gratification, but... These are still just points along the journey. Yeah, indeed. Indeed. Yeah. I, and I will be really impressed when we go into space. I will be like, and I'll enjoy the whole journey up yeah. and down. <laughs> All these things are impressive. A hundred years ago, we were still, uh, doctors were still bleeding everybody with leeches. Like, it's like, I know. like think of how far we've come. Is this not impressive? Is this journey not impressive to everyone? I, I, like, come on. I'm in constant <laughs> awe and slash fear of, of our, our humanity's achievements. <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh, it's a double-edged sword, you know, every, because every, every achievement that's ever come for humanity is usually on the back of weapons. We go to weapons first. Um, and th those have always been our biggest leaps of technology have been weapons. Mm. And it's like, okay, we've got over the weapons and now we, we were allowed to use these other benefits that came from those weapons, but there's always something horrible that's on one side of it with, with the beautiful thing. So yeah, it's like, there's that kind of duality of being horrified by something, but also being uh, um, enthralled by what it, the positive aspects of it. Yeah. I mean, you know, you're a sci-fi person. We just certainly, uh, you expect the end of the world is, is coming. <laughs> it's yeah. just a question of when, and maybe that's why I just enjoy every moment of it. Cause I'm yeah. just like, I mean, it has been predicted. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's those, you know, talk about sci-fi or even like, like, um, uh, let's say scientific theory about whether it's alien civilizations or whatever else. Like there's these theories about how um, some people believe that 
like like Dr. Hawking believed, like if there are intelligent races out there, we don't want to meet them because they have more technology and they're going to they're going to treat us the way we've treated ourselves, which is, mm. you know, killing each other for resources and things mm. like that. And there's another theory that slavery. Yeah. Like all those things and, <laughs> and all, all these terrible things that we've done to each other. Why? You know, we got to watch out for that. And there's also the theory of um, it could uh, not not just how long it could take, but that we may never get there because we might be hardwired to destroy ourselves with our technology before we get to the place where we can grow enough to use that technology to leave the solar system. And that's, I mean, that's, that's a scary thought, but it's, you know, not out of the realm of possibility. No, definitely not. I just watched Terminator, the, the one with the girl, uh, the woman from, uh, Game of Thrones last night. I missed that somehow. I missed that Terminator. <laughs> space and space, space and time travel. You know, yeah, will we get yeah. there? I hope so. No, yeah. actually, no, I don't. <laughs> That's okay if we miss that one. But it would be good to be able to get into space to get off the planet to keep the human species going. I guess. Well, it's an instant philosophical question. How how far do we want to go? How far do we want? To, to start messing with the space-time continuum? Or, right. or should we just be as good as we can be towards each other and not worry about that stuff? And look, it's going to happen. I mean, what's going to happen is going to happen. But it, it's certainly like a super philosophical question. Yeah, it is. It's, and it's one that um, keeps me just working really slowly on music, just kind of plugging away because it's really out of my hands. <laughs> Yeah, we can only do what we can do, right? Yeah. 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 Do what you're good at. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm not I'm not getting us to Mars any type time soon. <laughs> so I'll just stay in my lane and let let smarter people deal with that. Um well well cool. And this this has been like I've I've really enjoyed talking with you. Um and I love talking about your music and, and what you, you do. But I'm not done with you yet. And I've okay. I've been I've been very um open with you about how I feel about your music and 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 the things when I when I when I say these things about your songs, like I don't I don't BS people. It's not in my nature. If if I say I respect you, I like what you do. It, it's it's just my honest reaction. Um. So, I, but I but I feel like I've been easy on you, and so now I got to give you <laughs> a couple tough questions. And don't be too scared. I, I ask everyone these two tough questions, but they I'm are panicking. Tough. I'm panicking a little bit. No, no, it doesn't require any studying. Okay. And the good thing about these questions is really there's no wrong answer. Hmm. So let me ask you, you've been this professional touring, singing musician for a while. Now you've gotten really deep in writing and you've made this great solo album. So you're a writer. You're also a performer. What if you could only do one or the other and not both? Which would you choose? Hmm. I think that. If you had asked me a couple of years ago, which I, what I would choose, it would probably be performer. Although, I mean, what would I be performing if were it not for my own music anyway? I mean, in the past I was writing, co-writing for bands and so on. And we did easy started to put out some stuff. So it's, that's a kind of a tricky question um, because oh, I, I would be, I would be performing my music in theory, which would already be written. So am I not allowed to write any more music? It's confusing. Yeah. Um, let's say 
that I wasn't allowed to write any more music and I could only perform the stuff that I had already written. Um, no, I would choose writing. Yeah. Yeah, no, that one's a trick question because a writer writes. It's, it's who you are. It's what you do. Um, yeah. So that's definitely a trick question. My other question is not a trick question. Uh, well, because also I don't <laughs> need to go out on the road anymore. I could just release this stuff into the universe. That's not performing, right? right? I could just I could just record it. I really am enjoying yeah. the, the recording process. I just was in the studio with Elena Canlis, who co-produced um, the song Slow Burn. Shelton Gardner, uh, who's co-produced and mixed and so on on the album. And uh, Chris St. Hilaire, who is an incredible drummer. He's He was from the London Souls and um, Sin Cain. And he's spectacular. And we were out in California recording for a friend of mine. And then I was able to do one of my songs and it was just like, we did it down to tape. Uh, and it sonically, it is just so stunning that mm. I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm not doing any more electronic stuff. I mean, I guess I'll write my stuff the way I continue to write it. But then when I record it, I just want to go straight to two inch. And this is my, for my next project. So yeah. the next song that you're going to hear, hopefully is uh, will be in, in that regard. But yeah, I'm really enjoying the, the recording process. And the sharing of the songs and letting other people kind of how how they interpret and integrate into that. That's that's beautiful. Yeah, for the purposes of that ridiculous question, you can roll recording in with writing. So yeah, you're okay. You're, you're good to go. I like that ridiculous <laughs> question. And then I can stay home and I can cultivate my garden and my friends and my community and la la la. Yeah. yeah. Right on. I choose that. <laughs> <laughs> so my other question, you've done this work with True Mystic. You've done all this work with Easy Star. Um, and now you have your own solo album. Uh, if someone doesn't know Kirsty Rock, someone's unfamiliar with your music, unfamiliar with your works, uh, mm -hmm. and they come to you and they say, well, I'd like to find out about you, but I'm a very busy person. Give me one song you've been involved with that I should check out that would give me a decent albeit tiny, a decent idea of who Kirsty Rock is and, and what you're all about. Mm. I think that uh, it would definitely have to be off the new album because I feel like it's the most personal. Mm -hmm. um, hmm. Maybe Green is. That's a great answer. That's a great I feel answer. Like I have such a passion for for nature and humanity that uh, I think that that one, that's the that's the one. That's cool. I think if somebody asked me what they should listen to first from you, I think I would say Green It. Mm. Yeah, I think I would say that. Well, cool. Thanks. So, so what's up next for Kirsty? Like, what do you what are you doing next? Like, you've got all these things that you do. What's on tap for the rest of twenty twenty two? Wow. You know what? Just a little this and that. I'm going to Mexico with Easy Star in a few days. We're going to the Akamba Music Festival. Um, we have a festival in Chicago and Wisconsin, I think, mid-August. And then other than that, I'm going to do some little local stuff. I have a friend, my friend, Dave Dominic. We do, um, we've been doing some like really corny 80s and 70s 90s covers and like we're going to do it at my friend's um farm csa pickup real like vermont style um and then i'm going to continue to write and just chill in my garden and enjoy i got a boat 
So if you want to come hang on the boat, you know, there's where the do you, boat. Where do you, so where do you go? Where do you take the boat? Do you go out on like lakes or rivers? So or? we just got it last year. There's a reservoir that's not far from here. It's a 25 or 26 foot um, sailboat that we took the mast off, but it has a bed underneath and everything. So it's basically like a floating RV. <laughs> so that's we so cool. made to the reservoir. We can, we were thinking of putting it in a slip in Lake, Lake Champlain. So my goal, so my dad passed away in August. Oh, I'm sorry. And um, so this summer is dedicated to just living and enjoying life. That's, that's beautiful. And I will absolutely hang out with you on your boat. Uh, in, <laughs> Bring in the, the kids. In, they in, won't be impressed, the, yeah. but they'll have fun. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll have to do it in the summer, of course, because I have retired from winter. That's, that's kind of my thing. I, uh, I, know, yeah, I will yeah, no yeah. longer deal with winter in any capacity. Well, it's funny. Boats don't do so well on ice when it's frozen. They kind of tip over a little bit. So <laughs> it might work out. <laughs> So there's there's two reasons why it's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, so Slow Burn is out now, uh, and please, everyone listening, watching, uh, check this album out. It's it's good. It's like I don't know what else to say except like it's go Thanks. go listen to it, go check it out. It's absolutely worth your time, and um, uh, it's out everywhere. And and also tell people where they can learn more about you, your socials, all that stuff. Um, KirstyRock.com. You can go to Easy Star Records. Uh, you can go to EasyStarAllStars.net or something. You know, and I have all the social stuff that I neglect a lot, like Instagram and Facebook, and uh, I don't Twitter. I don't know. I, the social stuff is is a little um, neglected, but yeah, I'm there, and you can reach me. And if you have any questions, anybody, please reach out. I'd love to. Um, field your cues such a nerd i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> i i gave up on twitter i gave up on twitter years ago um it's just this cesspool of hate and people yelling at each other and it's like i can't i can't do that i'm i'm not it's so i'll still do a little facebook and instagram although not as much as everyone tells you you should yeah uh, so i'm kind of right there with you i'm not like social media is not my favorite thing in the world so yeah i um, I, I just feel like it's not part of the work which it mm -hmm. probably is but it's not interesting to me yeah. and i guess when you see a post from me it means that i, I found it interesting or, or i wanted to touch base with everybody so at least when it does happen it means i really am genuine about it <laughs> yeah i think the thing that bothers me about social media even even when you're not dealing with bots and trolls is like the 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 the, the capacity or the 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 chance for misunderstandings mm. is so great when it's just people putting up you know a, a, a sentence on a screen it's like you it can be taken the wrong way you 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 make you know uh, bad connections negative things happen just taken out of uh, you know misunderstandings and that's that's the the hardest thing for me yeah communication yeah. we're not humans aren't so great at it so it's, uh, yeah it's hard enough in person right to like yeah ma make sure you're you're doing things right but like when you're just firing off something in, in a social media land it's like oh there's danger danger yeah there's little <laughs> bombs planted everywhere i that's why i don't really engage um yeah i'd rather have conversations in person and then and the thing is for me like i I am one of those people too. I'm like, oh, I see your side. Oh no, but I see your side. Like, I, there to me, there is no wrong and right in 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 so many things. Obviously, I think murder and so on. There are some fundamental things yeah. that I think are absolutely horrible. But then other things, I'm like, 
we can all do what we want to. <laughs> Whatever brings us joy. Like, let's just find more joy. Like, there's just so much anger mm-hmm. and uh, disagreement. It's like, well, let's just agree to disagree and yeah. find, find the stuff we do agree on. Like, I think that's how you started this whole thing. You were like, connection and like, let's have a conversation. Like, doesn't have to, you know, always make sense, which is my, my, um, my deal. I never, I, you know, coming back to the point is always difficult for me because I find, I find just so many, um, opinions and, and ideas really interesting. So I just kind of follow, keep pulling the thread people. Let's just follow the golden thread. Yeah. Oh, right on. I love the way you put that. <laughs> and just like I, I've, I've, I've loved talking to you this whole time. And I do hope um, in the future, next, next time you have something coming out or something <laughs> that you'll me. come back on and talk with me again. Sure. Um, it's, yeah. It's, you're very easy to talk to. Thank you. I'm I, usually, I'm, <laughs> I don't like to do interviews. I don't do often yeah. do them. Um, and you made this pretty relatively painless. So I, I, I pre- that. that means a lot to me. <laughs> I, I, I appreciate it. Well, I, I have two things going for me. One is that I'm, I'm in this business, so I'm yeah. not, I'm of it. I get it. I know, I know what you deal with out there in the world, making your art because I, you know, I do that too. Uh, but the other thing is like, I just love talking with people and, and, and I, I want, I, when I talk with someone, even for the first time, like, I want you to feel like we just know each other. I, I talk to you the same way I talk to someone I've known for 20 years. Like that's, mm. that's just who I am. Um, that's so a I, skill. That's a, a really beautiful, you should be really thankful for that. I don't, I've never, I haven't had that in my life. And this, what you see now has taken years and years of trying to figure out how to put words into a sentence. And mm. sometimes I'm, I nail it. And sometimes I'm just like, what did I just say? <laughs> we, you know, Brain we, works in mysterious ways. <laughs> and that music is my preferred form of communication. And, and so. Yeah. yeah. Well, music is the oldest form of communication. And it's, mm. so it's, it's just beautiful that we can all just be a part of that. We, you know, one more link in the chain and we just carry that on. But I appreciate Absolutely. you being on here and talking with me and I appreciate your kind words. And um, I look forward to catching you on tour and seeing where else you go from here. And I'm definitely going to tell people about slow burn and tell them to go out and check it thank out. Thank you. Kersey really rock. But yeah. Thank you so much for being on here and take care it's of yourself. My pleasure. Yeah. One love. All right. Be good. Oh, no.